wonderful. A divine call tonight. I have begun to speak again uh, just in a very special uh, analysis as it relates to the Lord's Supper and how we relate to that. Um, we start a new series uh, uh, coming up, and the main thing, and it has to do with evangelism and all the things that we're doing to reach lost people for Jesus. Jesus died for lost people. He did. He died. And he assigned the responsibility. So I'm going to take you through it. I'm going to ask you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you as an individual. Uh, often we, we, we do evangelism through programs. Our program at the Dream Center is reaching lost people. Our program of Sidewalk Sunday School is reaching lost people. But God never intended for the program to be the main thing. He intended that the blood-washed Christian is the main thing as it relates to winning lost people. So I'm going to ask you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. One of the, uh, one of the characteristics of social behavioral change uh, these days is commitment. Years and years and years ago, as it relates to commitment in relationship and marriage and family, uh, you had a pretty, pretty strong commitment. Uh, nothing would shake you. Social behavior has changed today to the degree if things get tough, uh, no commitment. If things get rough, no commitment. That is true of, of businesses and in other words, there was a time that a business owner, uh, if he made a promise, that that business owner would, would keep that promise no matter what it cost him. Uh, and even if he didn't make it, if one of his employees made it, he said, we're, we're committed to that. And that uh, was something that today has, can you get this now, if the commitment in family is eroding, what kind of children are we producing in the future who does not understand the value of commitment not just commitment in relationship or marriage but commitment to to government commitment to to our nation commitment to military service in the gospel if it's going to if we're going to reach a lost world so we know that all right, there are lost people. If we're going to reach a lost world as individuals, we need to look at it as being an individual responsibility. And how does that, how does that work? And we have some interesting, uh, interesting scripture tonight. If I'm going to reach a neighbor or a friend or a coworker, I, I have to maintain a commitment to what I feel God has called me to do. If, if you don't, then the question is, who will? I have a wonderful illustration between uh, William and Mary Tanner. Uh, Bill and Mary, of course, were a wonderful, wonderful couple, but they were walking in their community and walking across a railroad track that had the uh, large uh, uh, pillars of wood there or, or laying down cross ties and Mary's foot, some way or another, got caught, and Bill saw that. They began to hear the sound of the train coming, and Bill saw that and did his best uh, to try to free her foot. It wasn't just caught 
with her shoe. Her foot and shoe had slipped in, and uh, it was very, very difficult. Uh, People began to watch as he struggled with her. She realized as she's screaming and he's screaming that it, it got to the place that she said to Bill, her husband, run and leave me. Just run and leave me. He simply knelt down and grabbed her, held her, hugged her tightly, and of course as the train thundered over them, some of the bystanders heard him say, Mary, I will stay with you. Boy, you talk about commitment. That's commitment to someone that, that he made a commitment to in marriage, for better, for worse, richer, for poor, and even in death. I am not going to forsake you. I'm going to be with you to the end. I'm going to stand with you. You say, well, that's the kind of commitment that Jesus requires of us. And I can prove that in Mark's gospel, the 8th chapter, verse 34 of the Amplified. Jesus called to him the throng with his disciples and said to them, if anyone intends to come after me, you're just going to have to deny yourself, forget, ignore, disown, lose sight of himself. And in his and his own interest and take up his cross and joining me as a disciple siding with my party follow me continually that is cleave steadfastly to me in other words there is no exit sign in this commitment and relationship with Jesus Christ you have to do it his way or no way at all we have to learn to say I will, I will, Jesus, do all that I believe that you're teaching me to do. And I have a little unusual twist in the message tonight. I'm going to ask you to just stick with me for a few minutes. Uh, the, the The first point is the offering. What was the offering? As we have communion uh, once a month, uh, the offering we know uh, relates to Jesus uh, giving his life. We know that he takes the bread. As a matter of fact, Matthew 26, 26, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples saying, now, this is what they did not understand. Take and eat. This is my body. Symbolically offering the bread, offering uh, the breaking of the bread, multiplying it because his body would be broken, but broken and multiplied for distribution among those that among those that are propagating the gospel. Take my body, take eat. So we find that that's exactly what happened as Isaiah describes in Isaiah 53, 7, said he was oppressed and afflicted, but he didn't open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before shears is solid. He did not open his mouth. And then verse 14 of Isaiah 52 says this, just as there were many who were appalled at him. Notice this now. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. Beyond human likeness. 
the offering that he made of his body. Now symbolically as he served them as the bread that is broken, little did they realize that at that moment and later on the fulfillment of Isaiah's property would be there. Jesus knew that in order to accomplish the will of the Father, an offering had to be made, a sacrifice. And though it um, was a supreme offering, you and I, this is, this is important, you and I are still expected to be, though he was the supreme offering, we are expected to be an offering. Think about it now. We are expected to be an offering. I offer, I deny myself, I take up my cross, I follow you. So what are we to do? We are to offer our body, mind, and spirit. Mark's Gospel 12 says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. In other words, make your life an offering to God. But we know that offering always brings pain. When you make an offering, it brings sometimes discomfort, instead of comfort. Sometimes in Christ, it offers insecurity instead of security. It will take you places in the offering that you never intended to go. It will cause you to do things that you thought were impossible for you to do. He'll take you to a place that sometimes the room is dark and you don't know what's going to happen the next step, but he's saying, hey, whatever it is, in me you can be secure. And then he says, it's submission instead of permission. I submit. This is my offering. I present to you. The second thing, an offering involves an act of obedience. That's found in Matthew 26, 39, where Jesus said to the Father, not my will, but thy will be done. I make this offering. You have that divine will this is an offering that costs me, and the only way it's going to cost me is out of an act of obedience. So now I have, I, I am to deny myself, I'm to love God, I'm to trust Him. The best of God's treasures are found in the arena surrounded by absolute total commitment, not backing up, not giving up, not resting up, but simply driving forward and saying, my life needs to be an offering, not my will, thy will be done. Jesus in John 19, verse number 10, Pilate said this. He said, don't you know that I have the power to crucify you or to release you? And Jesus responded in verse 11, you have no power against me, I am here because I chose to be obedient. I have the power to get out of here at this moment to call 10,000 angels. If you think you have control, Pilate, you are dead wrong. I'm here for one reason. I made a commitment out of an act of obedience. Out of an act of obedience. Now, when do you sign up for that kind of a life? It's when you give your heart to Jesus. It's when you know your sins are forgiven, that the supreme offering now is at the right hand of the Heavenly Father. He died so that I have the privilege to be an offering. And when the bread is broken in communion and when it is multiplied, it represents the body of Jesus Christ. 
And here's what he says about your part of the offering, your part of his body. He says it this way in Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Let that weight you down. He says, hey, if you are the salt of the earth by making the offering, if you do not remain salty, you are thrown out and of our little worth. What good would it be for all of us to live for Jesus Christ and get to heaven and not have any record of works or winning anyone or making any difference in the kingdom of God? What would it do to come to church all the time, every service, and not impact the darkness, not one time the offering? But there is a betrayal. There is a betrayal that can be made if we are assigned with the fact that we're to be the offering. He's supreme offering. And now we have the responsibility of being that offering, to be the salt, to be the light. Matthew 26, 21. And as they were eating, he said, truly I say to you that one of you will betray me. One of you will betray me. We remember because we know that Judas was the one that betrayed Jesus. But Judas was there when he made that statement. Judas had already had his feet washed. Judas received the same favor and treatment even though that Jesus knew. You're the one who made the decision to sell your commitment to me for 30 pieces of silver. So when I read that and I thought, God, how does that relate to me? Judas represents a lot of things. Judas and his behavior and what was in his heart represents that angry mob that cried crucify him. And a part of that, a big part of that angry mob happened to be Jews. Not Roman soldiers. Judas represented a character flaw as it related to Peter's denial. Peter got in a rough place, but Judas' betrayal represented the denial of Peter. Under pressure, he failed in his commitment. Imagine that. Judas represented the disciples who, who ran and hid. When they saw the ultimate death, they didn't want to part. The Bible says they ran and hid. Why? For fear of their own lives. But after all, if you're the offering, and you know that in that offering it's going to cause sacrifice, in that offering it brings new life, why would you run and hide? Why would you shirk a responsibility? When you are the offering, we are the offering. Judas represented unbelievers who openly mocked the love of Christ. Individuals that had dined with him, been in his crusades, actually a part of the crowd. Judas represented in his betrayal professing Christians who simply fail to consistently keep their priorities right before God. 
who consistently fail to keep the priorities right, who heed the Holy Spirit's promptness and just simply pay no attention to witness, to give God exciting and exuberant praise and thanksgiving for broken bread, but not be the broken offering, to also allow life I mean, the duties of life. Someone said to me earlier, and so I was talking, and said, you're so glad to have you tonight, and they're helping us in worship. And they, the statement was, I'm only here by the grace of God. I, I know what they were saying. I'm only here by the grace of God. Well, so am I. What that meant was I had to put forth an extra effort to deny myself the comfort of staying home after working hard all day long. I made the decision by the grace of God to come to church and worship. That's the right thing to do. Everybody with me? If I am the offering no offering can be offered without it being a sacrifice. That we choose not to allow life to steal the joy of serving the Lord. Isaiah 63 says, verse 7, I will tell of the kindness of the Lord, the deeds for which He is to be praised, according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, Lord, I will be a part of that offering gladly. I will be a part of that sacrifice. And he says, one of you shall betray me. Do you know what the rest said? Do you remember? Is it I? Is it I? Do you know why? They all knew that they had offenses. And they thought, maybe it's what I've done or haven't done is the one that betrayed him. We all have betrayed the confidence. I just give that up. We all have betrayed the confidence that Jesus placed into our hands. The church world has betrayed the confidence that Jesus has placed in our hands. You see, we have all failed miserably sometimes to aggressively reach the lost who live and work among us every day. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? You just know it. I challenged our congregation Sunday morning in the next three or four weeks, bring somebody. Just bring somebody to church. Bring them. Let the Holy Spirit work on them. And if you don't, who will? Who will be the offering if you and I fail to be the offering of denying ourselves? Just prior to the last meal, Jesus gave a series of examples of betraying responsibility. I mean, it's right before that meal that he's having. It was the five wise virgins or in the five foolish. Which are you, he said. It's the parable of the talents. A couple of you, you developed good and you multiplied the talent. But this person here said, well, at least I didn't lose it. But I was afraid and went out and hid the talent in the ground. So here's what belongs to you, as Master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You, you didn't do anything with the offering. You didn't, do, you didn't do anything that cost you something. And then, of course, it was the parable of the sheeps and the goats. He divided them up, put the sheep here and the goats here. Haiku Sapien 
is an individual that was a bishop for the Assemblies of God Church. He was, uh, his country was Iran, and in the revolution, Iranian revolution in 1979, he was one of two Christian leaders at that time that continued to share the gospel, even though it was against the law, with those in the Muslim faith. He continued to do it. It did not stop him. One of two. In 1994, he disappeared after he protested the Iranian government's treatment of the converts to Christianity. I mean, for their Christian faith, they were whipped and beaten, their houses were burned, their families were tortured. And Haidt Husapian said, don't do that anymore. And as a result of that, he disappeared. And they believe and still believe today that the Iranian government arrested him and killed him. He'd already been through enough. For example, in 1969, his wife, together with their six-month-old baby, and there was a missionary couple from the States, and they had three children, and a, a large semi-truck that was not marked and no lights hit them head-on. The four adults survived. Hike and his wife had broken legs, but their six-month-old baby and the three children for the missionary couple all were killed in that accident. You would have thought, I'm on the wrong track, God. You would have thought, what's this about an offering that I offer, and this is the reward that I get? How is it that I am one of two who continue to preach the gospel, continue to try to win people against the government's wishes? How is it that this happened to me? It was a process in Haikub Sapien's life. He said, and I'm sharing what he said, he said, what a spirit is this? He said in his message, if you want to win a nation, the only way is to be willing to risk our lives and ready to pay the price for the victory of one soul. He said, I've discovered that when you are ready to pay the price with a true offering of yourself, things begin to happen. He says, it took me two years to explain to my wife that I would probably die for my faith. And in the beginning, she would say, please don't speak about such things. He said, only recently, the possibility of my death became a reality to her. And her statement to me after she understood that I was willing to be the offering to give it all, she said, Hike, the only thing I'm worried about is, do you, have the, do you have any debts to pay? And please, if you have any debts, pay them right now while you are still alive. I've come to the conclusion, she said, as a wife, that you're not going to stop, that your calling is to be the offering to keep the message alive as a result of his commitment 
there have been literally tens of thousands of people who have come to faith as a result of his offering of his life. So what do I have to offer? If in fact it is the offering, and then if I understand it's costly, then how do I look at that? You tell me as a congregation to a pastor, how do I get that message to the right at 6,000 people at Victory Church? How do I get that message against popular culture today that's not looking for more commitment, looking for less commitment, not looking for, for less comfort, but more comfort? That, that message, but that message is real and resonates. So the third area is the sacrifice. The offering and the sacrifice, Matthew 26, 39, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And you know, I, I think that's what we have to do every day. I think every day to be the offering that's willing to be broken, to be the offering that shines, to be the offering to speak into the darkness, I think we have to say, God, that's really tough. That's outside my comfort zone. That's something you're demanding of me that is a challenge. But I want you to know, when you redeemed me, I became an offering. And I said, not might nor power. That's who I am. Jesus realized the will of the Father. He also realized that he was the offering. Abraham had to get there with Isaac. He had to get to that place that his desire, his will, even out of the Old Testament, that he was willing to take his flesh and blood that was considered to be the promise and say, I'm willing to lay my son, who I believe has the promise in him, on the cross. Well, I look at my life and I think, buddy, what kind of sacrifice, what kind of sacrifice am I giving? What is it that God that's in my hands that you desire? What is it about a behavior? What is it about a place that you have? The real sacrifice came the moment he said, not my will. Not my will. The purpose of Christ's death was twofold. Number one, that you and I might be redeemed. That I might have eternal life and redemption. John 10, 10b, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's why, that's why Jesus died for me for me, that I might have life. Second thing, that I might bear the good works of the Father. 
that I might bear, okay? I was redeemed to get me out of a mess. But what is the good works? Do I help others get out of the mess? He said, my sheep listen to my voice. Those that are giving their lives for the offering to serve me, they hear my voice, I know them, and here's what they do. They follow me. They follow me. They pay attention to me. I told someone today, you know what? It's hard to be able to communicate with you, and it wasn't Sharon. It's hard to be able to communicate with you because the bottom line is, you're not looking for someone to give you just counsel. You're not. And I'm not willing to sit and stir the pot. So he says, are you my sheep? Are you the offering church of America? Are you the offering Church of America, what are you willing to sacrifice? Church of America, there are multiplied millions and millions of lost people that need the church to be the salt, need the church to be the life. And you see, before you can be used as an offering, sacrifices must be made. Jesus said, I will. And how hard is the job? In Jude 23, we are to snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Snatch them. Get them. In the process. So now we come to Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians. In 11.24, and as you would think, we're about to take communion it says he's referring to jesus and when he had given thanks he broke in and said this is my body which is for you this is my offering for you when you break the bread you do this in remembrance of me and in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread, which is an offering, and you drink this cup of redemption, this is what you are doing. You are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes is it communion that does that no because we break the bread every single day in our lives as an offering when we say i will when we say yes do it in remembrance of me when you do what god is calling you to do it's in remembrance of him and when you drink the cup what is the cup the cup of the works of redemptive power then he said it redeems other people he goes on therefore whoever eats bread or drinks the cup of the lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the lord and then he says a man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment 
on himself. So he says it's more than the time of what we call the Last Supper. What do we drink today? We can't drink the blood, but we drink in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are the offering. We're the bread that's broken. And remember that the offering, remember the betrayal. Examine yourself, he says, and see if Jesus, if we have that sacrificial heart for God. So the next four weeks, the heart that sacrificed for one lost sheep, the one that cries over Jerusalem, the heart that was willing to be torn apart for lost humanity, the the heart that loved the harlot and the beggar and the leper as much as anyone else who said, I want you to have that same heart. I want you to cry over lost humanity. I want you to be broken every day. I want you to understand that this is not an easy journey, but it is a necessary journey amen would you stand heavenly father we thank you today we thank you for all these wonderful people god we've already been talking about sunday morning because we know that we're going to maybe have a little wind and rain i just pray that the majority of our church will remember boy howdy if we ever need to enjoy the blessings of god's grace at church if at all possible it ought to be then God, we, we know that you, you have the ability to speak to that storm and turn it so that no one is injured or hurt. And some have already said that because of their prayer, it's already turned. What wonderful confidence, and thank God for that. But here's what we want you to know. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven if that storm turns we're still the offering if that storm comes right up the gut of our state then we still are going to be the offering if it turns and goes over on the west side we're still going to be the offering because our life our life for you is the most valuable possession that we have. And if we ever were to lose that, we would be eternally lost. So here we are in surrender and in love. Heads are bowed for a moment, and maybe you're here, maybe you're listening online, and you find out, well, I've never really just absolutely made a commitment. I mean a bona fide commitment let me tell you, you know whether or not it's a commitment. If you made a commitment and you did, didn't stick with it, it wasn't a commitment. A commitment says, I made the commitment and no matter what, I have stayed with it. No one, no thing, no circumstance is going to shake me loose from that commitment because I die every day to fulfill that commitment to Jesus. I am the offering. Father, maybe there's someone here who fits that description. Or maybe some have just cooled off and wandered away.
and they need help. Jesus, help us. So I'm going to ask everybody to repeat this prayer with me. Would you do that? Here we go. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus forgive, me. forgive me. I am sorry. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. And I confess my sins. I look into my heart and I realize I need to step closer. I ask you, open your arms. Forgive me. Love me. Anoint me to be that offering that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you need prayer in your body, here's what he says. It's his way. You can be anointed with oil, James 5, 14. You come and let them anoint you with oil. Let them pray the prayer of faith. And we believe God. If you've got a problem that is bigger than you, don't just wrestle with it. Don't wrestle with it in the middle of the night. Why would you do that? When the Bible says... Get in the altar. Anoint with oil. Well, I've been down there before. Keep coming. Amen? Keep coming. And let's believe God. So we'll wait on you, and then we'll give you the benediction in just a moment. But you come as we sing. Would you do that?